when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we find you all in good form and it's getting closer and closer to Christmas. Hoping that you're not too stressed out and that you're just enjoying the build up to Christmas this time next week. It'll be all over bar the shouting. 1850 John Paul taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I've just seen Phil has to first in with a text this morning saying hi Patricia just wondering any update on Eileen. Uh, I hope she is okay. Eileen was the lady who joined us the week before last. She finds herself in a homeless uh, situation and she was in dispute almost between Limerick County Council and Cork County Council over a HAP payment and there seemed to be some kind of an argument and a dispute as to was she under the remit of Limerick County Council? Was she under the remit of Cork County Council? And she had a house identified and it was a very sad and a sorry tale. Um, We have just heard, um, it was either this morning or late yesterday, that Limerick County Council are talking with Eileen. So I don't know if that's them saying that they are responsible or not, uh, but that's where we're at with it. And I know it's getting very close to uh, Christmas and Eileen wants everything sorted. Her son is coming home for Christmas and she doesn't want her son seeing that she is living in homeless accommodation. And she was very upset when she spoke with us the week before last. So that's the that's the nearest I can give you by way of an update is that Limerick County Council are speaking with her. So uh, fingers crossed and it would be a great Christmas present would it not for Eileen what a Christmas present would that be to have it all sorted out and for her to be in her uh, home for Christmas. Talking of Christmas I I want to send festive cheer and uh, a thank you to Pat and Joe O'Donovan in Timaleague for their kind Christmas thoughts. They arrived in the post uh, today and Pat and Joe we hope you have a lovely and uh, a happy and a peaceful Christmas this year and thank you to for your kindness to all of us here at uh, C103. And Chrissy and Michael O'Mahony are living in Kilbarry West in Dunmanway and they sent us on email photographs of their light display and they have the most stunning light display. It really is be- is beautiful. Well worth a, a visit. They're li- located at Kilbarry West in Dunmanway and is signposted from the town and the display is turned on every evening at 5pm and they leave it on until half 11 at night and they are using their Christmas light display to collect money for a good cause and this year proceeds are going to Co-Action in Dunmanway, the Cope Foundation and the Irish Community Air 
ambulance. So if you are in and around Dunbanway, I suggest you head to Kilbarry West any evening and please be generous because they are three very, very worthwhile causes. But well done to Chrissy and uh, Michael O'Mahony. A lot of work goes in to a Christmas light display like that. And as the countdown to Christmas begins, the Ballycotton Lifeboat have asked me to mention that they are having a visit from Santa Claus next Sunday, the 23rd of December at 3pm. And they're inviting people to stay on to watch the Christmas lights being switched on on the pier in Ballycotton at half past four. So it's a nice way for the small ones to meet up with Santa Claus at the Ballycotton Lifeboat next Sunday at 3 o'clock. Now, coming up on the programme today, we have a piece um, with incomes rising. Why are why are so many families still living in poverty? These are figures that are out this week from the Central Statistics Office. They do a survey every year on income and living conditions. And when you look at the survey, yeah, absolutely, there is good news. It is showing improvements for uh, for many families And we know there's a rise in employment and we know that incomes are rising. But unfortunately, there's also a cohort of people who are not, the the economic recovery is not benefiting them. And what I was shocked when you peel back and look through all of these figures and you know the the obvious one to look at is the good news and there there is certainly good news in the figures but when you peel back the layers you then get to the families that are living in poverty in this country and I was really taken aback to hear that there are more families living in poverty in 2018 than there was in 2008 and that was a figure I wasn't expecting to see from the CSO survey on income and living conditions so we're going to be talking about that on the programme today. The old sugar factory in Mallow God if the sugar factory was there they would be right in the middle of making the sugar. This is the time of the year when the campaign as those of us that live in Mallow it was affectionately called and there was that sweet smell that was in the air that you knew the the campaign was on and when you were living in Mallow you just sort of got used to the smell you didn't even notice it it was just it always struck me if I had anybody visiting when the campaign was on and they would say what's that smell and I'd have to stop and think oh so that's the the sugar factory they're making the sugar anyway uh, sadly the sugar factory is no more in Mallow and there is a call now on behalf of Cork County Council to get on well Cork County Council are making the call to get on to the government and to get on to Green Court to do something with the sugar plant and the suggestion that has been made is to turn it into a biofuel plant so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and certainly for anybody in the Mallow or surrounding areas they would love to see something done with the old sugar factory because it's a great big site which has been lying idle since we the, since we ceased the production of sugar not just in Mallow we ceased the production of sugar in Ireland because Mallow was the last sugar plant and we found out afterwards that guess what it was a wrong decision we never should have stopped producing sugar it means all of the sugar we bring into this country now has to come from outside and there was talks it, w- it would reduce the cost of sugar and it certainly hasn't so it's, it was a mistake to end the production of sugar in Mallow we'll catch up with a Bandon councillor to find out the effect that the building collapse on a street in Bandon last week what effect that is ha- having we're also going to preview this year's Kilbritton tractor run and I'm looking forward to doing the preview on this because one of our own the wonderful Bowles, as some people would call him, Paddy Palmer from our sports department. He's been nominated to represent the radio station in Kilbritton Tractor Run and he'll actually be driving a tractor. 
So we're going to speak with uh, Paddy about that. And then it is Wednesday. So Peter Dowdell, the Irish Gardener, will join us and this will be Peter's last um, slot for 2018. So if you have any questions for Peter, maybe of a festive variety, uh, get it in to Peter, 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Nate, Carter is playing live at the Marquee on Friday the 14th of June and we have another pair of tickets to give away to go see Nathan and we'll be giving them away. You have to as we've been doing all this week we are playing a clip of Nathan and you have to work out what word is missing. Don't call us yet but here is today's clip. Banjos, fiddles, accordions, it all stems from uh, Celtic music but we we feature a lot of and Celtic music in our show. That's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? I will play it again in the next hour and I'll play it again in the final hour and then I will give you the cue to call and you could be the lucky winner of a pair of tickets to go along and see Nathan live at the Marquee Friday the 14th of June. By the way, tickets are now on sale. They went on sale on Tuesday morning if you want to grab a pair of tickets to go along and see Nathan uh, Carter you can purchase your ticket at ticketmaster.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103 there's lovely photographs in the paper today of a group of children and uh, young adults who'll certainly be having a wonderful Christmas time. These were the uh, group of 40 children and young adults who arrived from Belarus yesterday and they will spend Christmas with host families. It's the annual Christmas tradition that uh, is linked to the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. It's Aidy Roach and the Chernobyl Children's International Group. They bring in a group of children that come in for rest and uh, recuperation and they've been coming for Christmas now for goodness it must be over 20 years at uh, this stage and as Aidy described it yesterday it was a magical moment. You may have seen some of the clips they were on the news on both uh, TV3 and on RTE and it's picked up on all of the papers today Just some magical, magical uh, photographs and we wish them all a wonderful, wonderful uh, Christmas. They're here for three weeks and it's so important for the young people just to the majority of the ones that came in yesterday are living in institutions so for them to come and spend time with families it's it's just so, so beneficial so we wish each and every one of them a very happy and a blessed Christmas and well done to all of the families who do this year in, uh, year out. Now Heidi has been on to us by WhatsApp to say good morning Patricia what is wrong with Ireland? Irish Ferries is to stop its route from Rosslare to Cherbourg so again another hit for us in West Cork. If we wish to go to France we will now have to travel up to Dublin. We lost Cork to Swansea and as a family we used the ferry. It was a nice route to Cherbourg something we would do a couple of times a year but now that route is gone says Heidi. I, yeah, I could not believe when I heard this news yesterday. It's a devastating blow, not just to West Cork, Heidi. It's a devastating blow to the entire South region. Now, we are hearing today that the Minister of State for Tourism, Brendan Griffin, he's asked his officials to engage with Irish ferries after the company made the announcements yesterday. Now, the announcement that Irish ferries made was they say it is unlikely to have a ferry service between Rosslare and France next year. They put a post up on their Facebook page. They said and they did it obviously to inform customers because customers even at this time of the year are planning particularly for summer holidays and so they wanted to warn people uh, in advance but they are continuing to keep the situation under review. Now Irish Ferry said yesterday 
that feedback from their customers suggests that it's easier for customers to travel to Dublin port for most people rather than go to Ross Lair. But it seems the majority of the people they were talking with are people who are coming from the north. I mean, any of their, obviously any of their passengers that are coming from the north would way prefer to go to Dublin because it would be closer to them uh, than Ross Lair. But I wonder how many of their passengers in the south did they engage with and did they ask if you had a choice would you go to Rosslare or Dublin because certainly everybody from the south would be saying to them no we want to go into Rosslare much easier than going to Dublin so um, Brendan Griffin as I say he's, he wants to engage um, uh, with them he says the service is an important transport service for the south east uh, region I would say the whole of the south but also when you think about it from, from a tourism point of view obviously it facilitates the like of, likes of Heidi and her family who liked to travel to France on holiday so there will be Irish tourists he- heading to France but the flip of that is the amount of French and people from other European destinations who come to have their holidays in the southwest. I mean you would straight away have to think if you're asking tourists to come into Dublin will many of them stay around the greater Dublin area will they go north rather than coming south I mean there's, there's a huge implication from a tourism point of view so it's a little bit uh, it's one of these watch this space and we'll wait and see how Brendan Howland and his department get on when they get into these negotiations uh, with um, when they get into negotiations or Brendan Griffin sorry when they get into negotiations with Irish ferries I mean all they can do is ask them they can't force them to make any decisions but we will wait and see but thank you Heidi for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and I'd be interested to hear from others um, are you with Heidi were you devastated by the news uh, yesterday that it looks like Rosslayer to Sherbrooke that that route is uh, gone John Paul takes your calls 1850 333 103 Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Laura Gelga, RC103. Rugg David Bory, Erin Ochdula, Dernor, Nadu Gahadishach, De Sosna. Norvisha O, Gwinche, Anna Hanov, Osavet, Egeshukla, Elvis Presley, August Little Richard. Dorok Garev, Da Agahu de Fruel, Achni Rev. Nirev on Tenum David Bowie in Usadge on Tamar Fod. Du Sache Ziggy Stardust in Aduk Shakudo. August in Norira by a David Jones at Adam Ear. Akdaharig She Egdi David Bowie. Marvi David Jones Ella Partuk in some Vanakyol the Monkeys. Nervi David Kugli in Daigdish. Husik She Bonakyol Arvanam the Conrads. Cred no Nachred Vishay Cardula Elton John. Norvise Dollarskov. Hahan Leigh Horse, Gamorlesh, August AO. August Vonagavak, Duncan Jones, Club Lauer, in an anor. Horse Boss, La Halsha, in the anor, Goblinohin. Kyle on sale, Kyotor Untuk Amak on Lashin. A Blora Gwelga is Mishapodji de Pertun, O Gwelskal Hamasta Vishmala. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. And when we're talking about Irish ferries and the disappointment with the news that the route between Rosslare and uh, Sherberg, it looks like that's going to be terminated and is not going to be running uh, next year. It's also been pointed out when I was talking about the tourism aspect to it and the amount of tourists that would travel on that ferry and come and stay here in the south. Uh, somebody else is pointing out the amount of freight 
that's on that route uh, as well that freight now suddenly will all be going into uh, Dublin 1850 now household incomes have gone up which is very welcomed news but buried in the figures are large numbers of people still living in poverty according to the CSO up to 100,000 people are living in poverty of which 220,000 are children Social Justice Ireland joins me to discuss the latest uh, figures and I'm joined by Colette Bennett Good morning to you, Colette. How are you, Patricia? I'm, I'm very well and uh, you are welcome uh, to the programme. And uh, Now, an increase in average incomes and more people in employment. Yes, we have more people living in poverty than we had 10 years ago. Absolutely. And I mean, you're right to point out the fact that these figures are, are masking. I mean, I, I would just like to point out, you know, improvements have certainly been made. So the poverty rate itself has reduced a little bit the races of those in consistent poverty have reduced a little bit. But really, the underlying issue is, even though average weight, average um, income has increased, and you have to look at you know, what that actually means. So somebody on a million euro, they're part of the average. But that's not, you know, they're the exception to the rule. So while averages have increased, the numbers in poverty have actually, you know, there hasn't been a, a marked decrease. You're still looking at, 760,000 people um, living in poverty, 230,000 of those are children. I mean, that is not acceptable in a country that was listed among the top five richest in the world. Um, so we're still experiencing huge amounts of, of inequality, um, particularly even for those who are working. So the, the CSO, the, the way that they um, that they developed this, you know, they, they're looking at 109,000 people who are in work and who are also experiencing poverty. So when you look at, when you think about that, you think just because we're reaching full unemployment, or sorry, full employment, um, it doesn't mean that all boats are rising. Um, because there are still people who, you know, at one stage, access to a job, getting a good job, meant that you would come out of, of poverty, whereas now that just simply isn't the case. How is poverty defined, Colette? So poverty is defined as below 60% of the median equivalised income. So that's, that's a European-wide definition of, of being at risk of poverty. And so what the, the SILK survey does is, is a survey, a, a huge questionnaire of about 16,000 households. And from that, it can extrapolate um, the, the population. So really, you know, there's, again, there's... 760, over 760,000 people who are, are living below 60% of the median of their life income. It also explains, doesn't it, why when we were talking with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, the amount of calls that they are getting this year. I mean, they're seeing an increase in calls rather than a decrease in calls. Very much so. Again, you know, the, the well, if we only focus on the economy, we're hiding what, what people are really experiencing. So, you know, the fact that working poor figures have in, um, sorry, are still at 109,000, that means that more people have, you know, come out of work, or sorry, have come out of unemployment, but are still experiencing poverty and deprivation. They're still in need. They're still accessing services like the Vincent de Paul and food banks. And I mean, this in 2018 going into 2019 is a national change. Okay, the working poor, um, that, that, and, and your 
Father Sean Healy who works with you often I've often spoken to, to Father Sean about the working poor what do you think like, can be done to tackle this problem of the working poor? Well one of the, the key things that we have been advocating for would be um, making tax credits refundable so that those who are working but are not um, using the, the full amount of their tax credits they would get what the unused portion back it wouldn't solve their entire issue but at least it would give them some level of an increase in income um, and it could help to address the working poor. We would also advocate for a universal basic income system and um, to alleviate poverty across the board so that everybody gets an amount that is enough for them to live on, to live at a subsistence level on um, and that then you know, work of both efforts would be taxed. Um, so that really you're ensuring that people and particularly children, again when we talk about you know, poverty we're looking at 230,000 children, so it's only a quarter of a million kids that are living in poverty households. Um, but, you know, and poverty has such an impact on life and such an, an impact on your ability to, to access education and your ability to get opportunities and employment and opportunities in lifelong learning and housing and everything else. If we don't tackle this, we're at a complete loss into the future. I mean, the, the, the children that are experiencing poverty and deprivation and homelessness now, is, they're going to suffer for generations to come. Yeah, we often talk about that cycle of poverty where, you know, children who are raised in a household uh, where they've experienced uh, poverty, you know, can in many, they, they continue as adults to live in poverty. Absolutely, because if you think about it, you know, if you're a child living in poverty, the chances are that you're going to a school that has debt status or needs debt status. So that's the, you know, that, that's for, for disadvantaged, school disadvantaged areas. Um, if you come out with a poor level of education, and I'm not saying that, that you know, debt is not a big concern, that has actually made some improvements in, in educational levels in disadvantaged areas. But if you have a poor level of education, you're going to access poorer quality employment. You're going to, that's obviously then going to have an impact on how much you can afford to spend on your accommodation, how much you can afford to spend on and recreational facilities. So your so your social isolation, particularly for those who are experiencing poverty in rural areas, um, it's going to have an impact then with your housing. If your housing is poor, if you're still you know in a poorly paid employment, your children are going to be the next generation of children who are within those statistics um, in poverty. And on and on the cycle goes. It's very you know we would argue that while it is difficult to break that cycle, it isn't impossible, and things could be done that would, you know, promote uh, better better equality. So, for example, the basic income system that I referenced earlier on and the, the refundable tax credit, but also in terms of services and infrastructure. And by that, I mean good quality social housing um, and, and more of it. And I mean good quality accessible childcare so that children from a very early age are getting really good quality access to early years education and support. And that their parents are being supported as well. Um, you know, in, in, again, particularly for rural things like good quality public transport and broadband that can bring opportunities that aren't otherwise there. All of that in the round could lift people out of poverty. But doing nothing about it, um, it's only just it's marginal. Difference. You know, government has made improvements, and there certainly have been improvements since the 2006 figures, or sorry, 16 figures were released. That this time last year, um, but it isn't enough in terms of you know last year there were seven hundred and eighty thousand people living in poverty. 
this year there's 762 and a half thousand people living in poverty. The numbers are the, the increases are significant enough from the government side to actually make a, a huge difference to those that are experiencing it. Somebody's pointing out that the minimum wage is, is going up next month. Is that going to help in any way? I mean, it, everything will help, to borrow a phrase, every little help. But, you know, the minimum wage, I think it's coming up to, to 980. It's not. It's still not hitting the living wage at 11.70. So it's, it's still, still a long way off, yeah. It's still a long way off what's needed to have. And I'm not talking a luxury lifestyle. I'm talking a basic subsistence level of lifestyle that is supported by research that's out there. So we're, we're a long way then from meeting the global goal. What's the, the global goal is no poverty by 2030. A zero poverty. 2030 absolutely. isn't that far away. It's not. I mean, it really isn't. When you think about it, you know, we're just shy of, of 11 years away from it. Um, and it, we're, we're, not, we're not making sufficient inroads into it um, to, to be within scope of meeting that. Um, like, for example, the government set a consultation out earlier this year, very early this year, um, on the new National Action Plan for Social Inclusion. And their consistent poverty target in the previous version of that had been uh, to reduce consistent poverty to 2%. Consistent um, poverty is currently now 6.7%. The consultation document itself told that 2% was too ambitious and wanted to double it. Like that is moving in a, in a policy direction away from tackling poverty and of meeting our objectives and meeting our commitments under the sustainable development goals of having zero poverty. Okay, all right, we leave it there, um, Colette. Listen, thank you for that and uh, happy Christmas to everybody at Social Justice Ireland and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much, Patricia. Good. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you for that, Colette Bennett, uh, Social Justice uh, Ireland. And we think of, uh, particularly the children, because Christmas is a time for children. Heartbreaking to think of 230,000 children living in poverty uh, this year. Uh, 1850-333-103. Just on a kind of a good news story, it's kind of a, um, an addendum to that story. Do you remember, was it last week or the week before we had a listener contacted us who was trying to buy a second-hand PlayStation for her son for Christmas and uh, she couldn't afford a new one and uh, things uh, things are tough for this and she couldn't afford a new one and she was looking to buy uh, a good second-hand one that she would be able to afford and we needed to have it in good condition and all of that and then lo and behold we had uh, one of our listeners jumped on board straight away and said look you know didn't want any didn't want to be identified in any way other than to say I'll 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 cover the cost. I'll I'll get the PlayStation. I'll 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 cover the cost of the PlayStation. And that very kind gentleman has has done that. Went away. Has actually bought the PlayStation. We actually have the PlayStation with us uh, here in um, in Mallow. We now have to get it to the uh, to the person because again we're not identifying anybody here. But just to just to say that the wonderful kindness and generosity that is out there when we had a complete stranger hear about just a fellow Cork person who was struggling this Christmas and he wanted to do something for a little boy so that a little boy would wake up on Christmas Day and that his dreams and his wishes would would come true and what he most wanted for Christmas, it would be there under the Christmas tree. So I just want to publicly acknowledge that we have uh, safely secured the PlayStation. We're just in the process now of getting it to the the person who needs it. So that can be hidden away in time for uh, Santa Claus's arrival next uh, Tuesday. So so thank you. It always renews my faith in humanity when somebody like that steps up uh, to to the market. 
I'm never surprised by it though because we have the most most wonderful uh, listeners any radio station could ever wish for. Now the government and Green Corps are being asked to turn Ireland's last sugar factory in Mallow into a biofuel plant. The suggestion has been put forward by North Cork Fine Gael Councillor John Paul O'Shea who uh, joins me on the programme. Uh, good morning to you, John Paul. Good morning Patricia and good morning listeners. And now remind um, us first of the controversial closure of the last sugar plant back in 2006. Hard to believe it's uh, 12 years ago now. Yes Patricia, it's very hard to believe but I suppose the last sugar factory in Ireland did close and it was based in Mallow uh, as our listeners would recognise and I think you mentioned this morning yourself uh, the word campaign was a very much associated word in the Mallow area because a lot of people um, both from the Mallow area and west of Mallow and east of Mallow worked in the campaign which was the sugar factory the sugar campaign every single year from this time of the year roughly from October uh, to February, March where I suppose uh, beef and was produced into sugar uh, in the Mallow Sugar Factory and it uh, I suppose provided um, Irish sugar uh, right across this country and unfortunately the decision was taken at the time uh, by the Danish government um, to close the sugar factory uh, which turned out to be a retrograde step and it turned out to be proved afterwards that it was, it was a retrograde step and it shouldn't have been done. So. Yeah and it was the EU Court of Auditors who came out and, and admitted that uh, it should never have closed. That's right. And at the time, it was, um, I think, Fianna Fáil Minister Mary Cockland was the Minister for Agriculture at the time, who was based in Donegal. And there was a lot of protest um, put up locally and nationally in, in order to save the sugar factory at the time, Patricia. But um, that failed. And unfortunately, we've seen the closure of that facility. And that uh, entire, I suppose, um, sugar factory campus has been idle since yeah. that time. And I suppose we can look back and wring our hands and we can look forward and, and, and see what, what, what can come out, what good can come out of it. Has has anything been done with the site since the closure in 2006? Well, the site has totally been decommissioned, uh, okay. Patricia, and I think some of the, the farm associated with the um, sugar factory site has been disposed of because um, many of your local uh, local listeners would know that the, as part of the sugar factory, uh, long ago there was lagoons there, which was open uh, pits within uh, the farm there that I suppose catered for um, the dirty water that washed the beef uh, when it was um, brought in from the different uh, farmers that brought it in there. So I suppose the, the excess land wasn't required, so Green Corps sold that off. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, Patricia, but the main core site of the sugar factory remains and it remains idle uh, to this day. So that's why I put forward the motion. And decommissioned uh, means they just took out all the equipment, is it? It's, it's just de- it's an empty site. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, you still have, when you look at it uh, from the outside, you have the Weybridge on the way in, but all the sugar factory plants from inside has it's been gone. decommissioned and been taken down and recycled. Okay, what do you mean by a biofuel plant? But it's, it was a bit misinterpreted, I think, uh, by Sean Redden from the examiner, which is probably no fault of his, because we're still, as councillors ourselves, we're still trying to get used to this word, the bioeconomy, which is a new word that's buzzing around the place, but at this stage, but I suppose it includes the production of renewable um, biological resources, and I suppose that takes into account agriculture or forestries or fisheries and our food as well. So like, it's not that we're looking for a biofuel plant. Now, that could very much be... Uh, what the solution is, but our government have, I suppose, signed off on um, a statement, uh, a bioeconomy statement, which is kind of, I suppose, we're all trying to be, I suppose, better for our environment and better for climate action into the future, and it's important as a government and as a country that we work towards uh, our bioeconomy, which is probably producing um, stuff from renewable energy. 
And just for example, um, the European Commission has supported a biofuel plant in the Netherlands called Zeofuels, which produce electricity and ethanol. And I think, I suppose, what the, the motion I put forward was trying to promote, I suppose, the use of the uh, former sugar factory site in relation to one of our bioeconomies. I'm not really versed up in relation to what type of bioeconomy should be put there, and I'm not asking for a specific type of bioeconomy to be put there, but I'm asking for the government and Green Corps to consider that site. Get the, com- the, get the conversation going. Absolutely, yeah. because... I suppose me, previous media reports suggest that Green Corps might dispose of the site. And, like, I mean, we're not uh, opposed to that either as a council. But what we do is like to see the, the site utilised into the future. And I think by writing to Green Corps and writing to the, to the government uh, would encourage that conversation to happen. And if there is so much interest in relation to the bioeconomy, well, I think it's important, I suppose, to the sugar factory site, which is an ideal site just located just off the N72 and the N20, uh, is an ideal site uh, for future use, and it's an ideal site, uh, obviously, for further employment uh, for the Norfolk region. Is, the, is there a railway line still into the sugar plant? There is indeed, Patricia. Yeah. The railway line hasn't been decommissioned, so there is a railway line. Um, but I'm not so sure how, I suppose, um, positive that is towards, um, I suppose, a development on the site into the future. Um, I suppose it was a huge advantage to the sugar beet industry um, being delivered right across the country because that was being delivered by rail and by road. And do we know if Green Corps has made any suggestions about the future of the plant? Our understanding is that they haven't, and I suppose we have, haven't have had contact from Green Corps uh, since the, I suppose, the plans from Mallow West were done all those many years ago, uh, back in 2006-2007, Patricia, just to remind your listeners that was the plan done by Green Corps at the time to develop um, the old sugar factory site uh, into, um, I suppose, the, uh, housing development, plus I think there was a golf course and a school, etc. was going to go in there, but that never happened and never materialised, and it's not going to materialise, you don't know, Patricia, um, you know, which are, I suppose, sort of ever-changing planning laws, etc. like that. So it's crucially important, I suppose, that we do ask the question. That's what was proposed on Monday uh, in relation to uh, my motion at the Northern Committee was to ensure and to ask Green Corps what their plans are for the site. And as well as that, you know, because we have a national statement on the bioeconomy now and there's an inter- interdepartmental group uh, set up by the Minister for uh, Agriculture and Marine and the Food, uh, Minister Creed, and also Minister Bruton, who is the, the Minister over uh, the Department of Communications and Climate Action Change. So I think it's important that I suppose those, depa- those departments, both those departments, are aware of the site that's available here uh, in Northcock and to ensure, I suppose, if they are progressing any bioeconomy activities, that the site will be taken into account. OK, and, and I, I had a feeling that once we opened any kind of a conversation about the old uh, sugar plant, uh, we would inevit- inevitably get questions in saying, is there any chance that it would open as, as a sugar factory, reopen as a sugar factory? Well, there's very positive discussions which are happening in relation to, I suppose, the reintroduction of the sugar industry uh, into Ireland. But I suppose, like, there's been different reports coming out, um, and I suppose from Europe and from uh, from Ireland in relation to the, I suppose, the reestablishment of that. And uh, I suppose the reality is, would you say that if it is reestablished, it's going to be reestablished in the Midlands? Uh, up yeah, the country, we, it's, it's not a hope that it would it would reopen in Mallow. And I wouldn't think so, Patricia. No. And I think I, I, I need to be uh, frank and honest with people in that regard. And I think, as I said, uh, while we'd all love to see it, um, you know what I mean, the realities are, are very much different now. And Actually, I, uh, I, just I, on that subject, what, I mean, what is the update on that? I mean, the last I heard there's even been a site identified in the Midlands. 
That's right, and I think there's a consortium set up which, encor- which is, encompasses, I think, business uh, people and farmers that are progressing that uh, with the Department of Agriculture and with the European Union in relation to, um, I suppose, re-establishing that. But I think, you know, Patricia, there's a way to go in relation to this, and I think, um, I suppose, it's, it's something that we're all, I'm going to, I suppose, uh, wait for and to see what the update is. OK. And Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, this is one of the best ideas that has come about for rural Ireland, not alone for Mallow, what Councillor John Pottache is talking about. It has huge potential from a jobs point of view, from a farming point of view, from a fuel point of view. It has many, many advantages and it would be ideally situated in Mallow because Mallow is so central. Good luck to Councillor John Paul O'Shea uh, with his uh, suggestion. And just to um, a reminder, Patricia, as well as in relation to, I think, the funding announced from the EU last year in relation to the development of a bioeconomy innovation and piloting facility uh, in Lachine and County Tipperary. So this phenomenon has already started and I think it's encompassed us all around Norcock to ensure, I suppose, that if the bioeconomy is the way forward in relation to the future of our economy, well then we need to position Mallow and Norcock uh, in that light because I suppose we have an ideal site within the sugar factory site. We there's probably potential other sites uh, right across Norcock um, but I think we need to ensure that, I suppose, we uh, punch above our weight and ensure that Norcork gets what it deserves. OK, and well done, as I say, for getting the conversation going. Um, we leave it there, uh, John Paul. Happy Christmas to you. And many happy returns to you, Patricia, and all your listeners. And uh, we'll talk again in the new year. Good thanks morning. for that, and thanks for joining us. That is North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Happy birthday to Christine Hogan in Mallow, who's a very popular lady today. We've had uh, so many calls asking us to wish her a happy birthday. She is 90 today. Happy birthday, Christine uh, Hogan. Your sister, Bridie, uh, was on along with all of the family, hoping that you were having a very, very special day. And then some of your children were on to wish you a happy birthday. The in-laws were on, the grandchildren and the fact that our Christine 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 Hogan is uh, 90 today. She also has some great grandchildren and they all want to wish you a happy birthday as well. So I hope you're having a lovely, lovely birthday, Christine. And no doubt the family will make a big fuss of you. And there'll be a cake and there'll be flowers and there'll be presents. Happy birthday to you. John in Castletown Roche, when we were talking about the sugar beet in the last hour, says um, a site has been purchased for a for a sugar type industry in Ireland. It's on the Carlo Kilkenny border. A number of meetings have already been called. They're looking for shareholders at the for, uh, they're looking for shareholders for this. If they succeed in getting the sh- if they succeed in getting the sugar in- industry off the ground, it won't be solely for sugar production. It'll also be ethanol and biodegradable plastic waste and the organisation behind this, what will be this new beet industry is simply entitled Beet Ireland. Yeah, I remember we did interviews about it at the time. It's just gone quiet. It's just, it just came back into my mind when I was talking with John Paul O'Shea when we were talking about the sugar factory um, and, and I knew the minute we would start talking about it, people would say, would we ever get the sugar factory back to Mallow? But that's never going to happen. I, I think everybody accepts that it's never going to happen. And John in Mallow says he remembers uh, Tom Barry when he was a Fine Gael Dáil deputy for the area, campaigned to try to bring the beet and uh, the sugar industry back to Ireland. Uh, but nothing ever uh, happened either in Cork or up the uh, country.
country well that beat Ireland is still there they're still working at it it isn't gone yet now if, if it's to happen I don't know but it's certainly not I think everyone accepts widely accepts it's not going to happen in Mallow but if it's to happen it's that site on the Carlo Kilkenny border there was always the talks it will be somewhere in the Midlands to make it more central that obviously would be to facilitate beet farmers coming from all over the country a more central point for them to actually get their beet to the factory or to the uh, plant on road and road conditions and I think everyone I think has started to notice how bad some of the roads are at the moment I mean it's got a lot to do with we've had some stormy weather we've had a lot of rain and some of the roads seem to be crumbling right in front of us and Jim in Clondrohid was on to us this morning he says the roads around Clondrohid and in particularly the road from Clondrohid to McCroom are really, really bad with potholes. He says the road surface is literally deteriorating before your eyes. He said that it's like the roads are actually falling apart and he wonders, is anyone doing anything about this? There is a road from Clondrohid to Ballyvorney that is a very busy road with traffic but he said it is literally falling apart. He also points out that in that general area we have a minister in McCroom, we have an MEP in Ballyvorney and we have a TD in Coulee but nothing seems to be done so they have political clout in the area is the point he's trying to make and even with all the political clout they don't seem to be doing uh, anything so that's Clondrohal to McCroom and that general area and I'm assuming if I opened the phone lines people living in that area would say absolutely Jim is so right and I know the other day it was the road one of the roads into Bandon somebody was talking about or some some, or was it all of the approach roads some of the approach roads into Bandon anyway were very badly potholed and somebody was complaining about that and I actually got commentary in afterwards that I didn't get to from a listener who said her young son was driving in, into work driving into Bandon and hit a pothole and burst tyre then went to change the tyre guess what the his spare tyre was flat she said he learnt a valuable lesson but he also learnt a very expensive lesson as well and there is nothing worse I really do think there is nothing worse than to hit a pothole and you get a burst uh, tyre because of it but road conditions will end up I'd say if the road conditions continue the way they're going we're going to end up I think in the new year probably looking for where's the worst roads which are the worst roads uh, in the area and it is we have noticed this in the past it really is the squeaky wheel getting the oil the more people that complain from a particular area the more you get onto the council to highlight I mean if you're driving somewhere every day and you're noticing that the potholes are getting bigger are as Jim and Clondrohid has said the they the roads are simply crumbling away before people's eyes. You need to get onto the council. You need to keep highlighting the roads in the hope that they will be able to send out crews. Now, I don't know how many crews are going to be out this side of Christmas. And if we continue to get a lot of wet weather, that's just adding to the problems. If you have a pothole and rain and more and more rain and more rain gets into that pothole, we know what happens. The pothole just gets bigger and bigger. 1850 333 
103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Pat by text says, Patricia was listening to the Taoiseach last night on the news. It was a clip coming from the Dáil. He appeared to be backing up the banks for evicting those people in Roscommon. Pat says he should keep his nose out of it. There was a huge spat in Dáil Éireann about Roscommon and what happened in Roscommon. And um, Pat critical of the Taoiseach for what he said uh, about it. Nathan Carter, don't forget we've Nathan Carter tickets to give away. Now we give the tickets away in the final hour of the programme, but we are playing a clip from Nathan Carter and there is a word missing and you have to try to identify the word that is missing from this sentence of uh, Nathan. Take a listen. Banjos, fiddles, accordions. Absolutely. It all stems from uh, Celtic music, but we, do, I, we feature a lot of and Celtic music in our show. That's a tough one today, isn't it? Um, and I even have the answer in front of me and I'm still finding that one tough. Anyway, it's the next hour, so hold off on that, OK? Don't call us. Um, we will look for your calls uh, in the next hour and you could be winning yourself a pair of Nathan Carter tickets. He plays live at the Marquee on Friday the 14th of June. And if you would like to purchase tickets, because if you've got a Nathan Carter fan in the household, may I suggest it would make an absolutely wonderful wonderful Christmas present I direct you to ticketmaster.ie Jim is on by WhatsApp to say it looks like we have nothing to worry about if you don't have your driver's licence or your insurance unless of course you're Conor McGregor if I am not mistaken he didn't hand in his driver's licence and I don't know if there was insurance as well into the guard the station within the 10 days that he was permitted to do it and lo and behold he turns up in court and it takes about 10 seconds to lodge the documents and guess what he's free to go on his merry way but I wonder says Jim if that was you or I would we walk away as easy I suppose he's well able to play, pay a top uh, lawyer and just on that whole issue of not not Conor McGregor, but the handing in of the driver's license and speeding, because Conor McGregor has he's off the road, isn't he, for speeding? But this was a different uh, issue that he was in court about. But we've been talking this week because of Minister Shane Ross's and his proposals around uh, speeding. Well, it looks like they could be dramatically reduced because there's been a bit of an intervention on behalf of some of the Fine Gael ministers. Shane Ross, as Transport Minister, is is still committed to review his proposed speeding law but he is clashing with members of the government. Now a cabinet subcommittee is now going to review these strict penalty point regime for speeding which would see motorists receiving severe penalties based on how fast they are travelling over the speed limit. Every Fine Gael minister, according to the newspapers from rural Ireland, is understood to have raised concerns with elements of the new speeding law. Uh, Shane Ross is still saying no, his his plans are, are still there and they're going to draft up these new laws and he's revel- welcoming the review. So he very much is sticking to I- his guns. He says, I think it's time we focus particularly on the penalties for speeding and make sure that those penalties increase according to how much people exceed the speed limit. Now what he's intending uh, to his proposal is that motorists driving faster 
than 10 kilometres above the speed limit, they'd get the 80 euro fine. And that's where it is at the moment. And between three and four penalties, if you do 20 kilometres over the speed limit, your fine would be 150 euro and you get between four and six penalty points. And if you're caught travelling between 20 kilometres and 30 kilometres over the speed limit, the fine would hit 200 euro and up to seven penalty points and then anyone doing over 30 kilometres above the speed limit which is really lunacy to be driving at that speed then you could be charged with uh, dangerous uh, driving but the within Fine Gael there was close to a revolt according to the Irish Independent who also heard that the Independence Alliance colleague Kevin Boxer Morn he is described as going ballistic and he is viewing it as an attack on rural Ireland so it's still there it's not gone it's still being discussed but now it's moved to a cabinet subcommittee and we will watch that very closely in the new year to see what comes out of it I think in principle people are people are in favour I think certainly from cause we got in people are in favour of the idea of paying more if you're going you know above the speed limit why should somebody who's only driving 5 kilometres over the speed limit pay the very same fine as somebody who's driving 30 kilometres over uh, the speed limit but I think it's the penalty point side of it I mean the, to, to think on one speeding fine offence you could be you could have seven uh, penalty points. Remember, 12 penalty points and you're off the road. And that's what people are saying, that this is an attack on rural Ireland because we always go back to the point that if you live in rural Ireland, your car is not a luxury, it is a necessity. And therefore, you're at a distinct disadvantage if you lose your car in rural Ireland way more than if you lose your car if you're in an urban or a rural uh, area. So uh, Shane Ross, I take it, is off the Christmas card list for a number of TDs, particularly the rural TDs. John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. You can text our uh, WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. West Cork uh, Breakers, they are looking for an office worker. Experience is essential. You need to have some bookkeeping knowledge. And Burnford National School, they are looking for a school cleaner. You need to work approximately 14 hours per week and it's after school hours. You'll find all the job details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And uh, one gentleman is saying on um, this is to do with the condition of some of the roads and uh, potholes, etc. Um, this is from an ex-councilman who says the drains on the roads are not being opened up. The man with the shovel is missing. So says an ex-councilman. And the amount of people that say that actually bemoan the fact when there used to be the, the councilman out with the shovel and he knew where all the drains uh, were and the work that with that was done. And a lot of people bemoan the fact that those workers are no longer available. And on Shane Ross and the rural revolt which is happening, which looks like could be putting the brakes on Shane Ross's plans for uh, speeding and to have different uh, different fines a different f- um, penalty point regime depending on how far over the speed limit you are caught does Shane Ross drive a car says a texter 
He has a state car now, I presume. Yeah, well, he has Minister for Transport. He'll have a state car and a driver. He's a city slicker who does not understand rural Ireland. My guess is he probably never has owned a car, has never driven a car. He hasn't got a clue what it is to live in at rural Ireland. Thank you for that. Now, just over a week ago, the fire service was called to Oliver Plunkett Street in Bandon to deal with the collapse at the front of a building. To discuss the impact of the collapse on the street, I'm joined by local councillor Alan Coleman. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. Firstly, thankfully, because this happened in the in the very small hours of the, mo- uh, the morning, there was no uh, injury. Isn't that the case? No, 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 very luckily. And, and action had been taken as those people, you know, it looked like it was going to come. So thankfully, no, there was no nobody injured, um, uh, which is... Is, is, uh, is the good news, great, good, news, uh, good news, Was it, yes. Was there scaffolding outside this building before it collapsed? Yes, yes, there was scaffolding put up by think, late summer. Um, um, obviously, you know, it's a building that has been, is not in use at the moment. There's a number of buildings that are not in use and um, they were deteriorating. So some scaffolding had been put up. The scaffolding probably came out further than anything on the building itself when the collapse came, you know. So had they but, been but, doing some work on it? No, you there know? was no work no. on going. It appears the scaffolding was in place, but there was no actual construction work that okay. I know of any, I think. Yeah, no. So what's been happening since? Well, since then, obviously, the, the council... Um, you know, blocked off the road, obviously, for safety reasons, um, uh, including, of course, the, the, the entire road, the foot, so there's no pedestrian or vehicle or access to, from South Main Street over the bridge to Oliver Plunkett Street. And obviously, it's a concern to the businesses at the, the lower end of uh, Oliver Plunkett Street. There, you know, you know, it's for your listeners, like it's where the, um, the Munster Arms Hotel is, and there's a number of pubs there. Hairdresser at Barbara, there's a fabric shop and a, and a doctor's surgery as well, you know. So there's quite a few businesses at the lower in there of all of Plunkett Street. And um, they're all, just to make sure they're all open for business and doing well. And actually, they're saying people are responding very well. They're making the, going to the trouble of coming around to get to them. Brilliant. Um, well, know, the Monster Arms Hotel, I mean, yes. that's, you know, I'm, and in the run up to Christmas, yes, that would be a very, a very, very busy spot. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Now, it, it has its own car park, which you can access, and, and, and um, Brady's Lane car park is open. But, like, if you're shopping in South Main Street, which is the main shopping street in Bandon, you, you, you have to take a trek around to walk to, mm. um, to, to the, these businesses at the bottom of all Plunkett Street. But I suppose there was a development, obviously, you know, safety first, that the place had to be blocked off, and, and all, all credit, you know, that was done even before the incident, uh, so... Um, uh, we all have 2020 vision after, but it's great that the work that the blockage was done before there was a, a fall there. But what has happened since now is that yesterday, actually, the, the owners of the property cleared up all the rubble. Uh, they have had engineers, obviously, on site, um, and they put back the, the, the hoarding of the, uh, and opened the footpath across the road from them so that they, they, they created a situation where you had pedestrian access to South to uh, Oliver Plunkett Street from South Main Street. But um, I'm informed this morning that the County Council are of the view that the hoarding should be put across the entirety of the road again and that the, the pedestrian access at the far side of the, of the road shouldn't be opened up um, for safety reasons. Now, obviously, you know, health and safety is very important, but uh, I think you, you need, you know, you need detailed engineering information, you know, to know you know, how safe or unsafe a building is. We've had Has two it very, say, very ha- big storms in the last week. Yeah. Uh, as you know, on Saturday and on Monday night when a lot of power in the local area actually was, was, was blown out. 
and nothing came down during those big storms. Yeah. And what I'm calling on council management, and I have been calling on council management, is to, to put up a hoarding that would allow the footpath to be used safely. You see it in, in the city often where you have timber hoarding and you have the hoarding above people as well as at their side in case something falls down off the building. And I, I'm talking about across the road now from the building, not directly in front of the building itself. Um, Just and, to, to, to allow people access? Access, yeah, from South Main Street to, <coughs> to Oliver Plunkett Street. A pedestrian access, obviously, with, with a building as unstable as this, as you, you, there's no question of reopening the, the road itself. Uh, I believe the owners intend taking action in January. They've had engineers looking at it. Good. I suppose what I would say is the owners have had engineers in there looking at the building. And they, they took a decision yesterday when, when they... Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When they cleaned up the whole place and putting back the, the railing that they felt it was safe enough to let pedestrian access at the far side of the road, uh, the county council hasn't had an engineer on the site itself. They visually looked at it from from the road across the way, but <coughs> I think if, if the people who have had an engineer in there think it's okay to open the footpath across the road, then I, I think the, it beholds council management to make sure one of their engineers goes actually into the building and, you know, if they're going to make a decision to close the whole road and effectively overrule the engineer who's working for the, the owners, then I, I think you know, you'd have to have a fairly detailed structural engineer uh, survey before doing that. So I think it's an over-the-top response from the county council to close the entirety of the road. Um, it appears health and safety, as you know, is always about paramount. But, you know, the owners have taken this up to responsibility in putting the, the fence up where it is at the moment on the basis, I presume, that they have an engineer who's working for them. He has been liaising with the council. Uh, well, and, and I suppose to, to make matters more complicated, there are multiple owners involved here it's not just one building or one property that uh, was seriously damaged uh, last week. So it is a complicated enough situation. Because the buildings adjacent, yes. 
it because I'm, I'm conscious of people who don't know where we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the building that collapsed, there are buildings connected to it. It's, and, a, and, and it's, it's a terrace, yeah. Has there a safety audit been carried out on the adjacent buildings, for example? By the local authority? Yeah. No, no, it hasn't. No, there's been no survey done of the buildings. There. And it, you're, look, you're looking at it. It's a three-storey terraced, old terraced buildings that you have in, in, in town centres, across from the Munster Arms, just below there. So there has been no audit done of the, of the, of the buildings next to it. Would there not be. need to, would, would you not think there should be? Well, I think they've been in contact with some of the owners to, to actually go and do it themselves. Now, the council has, has powers to go in and, you know, knock a building like this or do emergency works where a building presents an immediate danger. And I suppose one of the issues here is that this building is presenting an immediate inconvenience to people living adjacent, but is it an immediate danger as today? That's a very fine legal point, and I think what the council are doing is working with the owners in terms of the long-term strategy for taking down the building and making the whole place safe. But in the meantime, I, I think it behoves the council to do a more detailed structural uh, uh, survey of the place with their own engineers. And if there is, if they still have fears about the footpath across the way, then I think they need to put up a type of hoarding that would protect people who would be using it because that it's not it's not unheard of to have to have proper type hoarding, which has protection above you as well as beside you, um, and and to get that in place to ensure that South Main Street and Oliver Plunkett Street that you have pedestrian connectivity. There are quite a number of businesses at the lower end of, of Oliver Plunkett Street. Yeah, it's unfair. And, you know, it's, this is an important time of the year. Yeah, it's unfair. Well. And Tim Tim says uh, something should have been done to that building ages ago. It was quite obvious that it was in bad uh, repair. It's a, mir- a miracle it didn't collapse uh, before. And as I said at the outset, thankfully uh, nobody was in- injured. But the important message, I think, Alan, to get across as well, is that Band in Town it, uh, and certainly those on Oliver Plunkett Street is very much open for business this Christmas. Oh, very much, very much. The hotel, the, the pubs, if a, if a hairdresser, a, a barber, you know, a fabric shop, you know, they, and, and as I say, the doctor's surgery, they're all open. But, you know, they are finding that the public are, are responding to them. It's somewhat like when South Main Street was in trouble in 2009, there was a huge public response, you know, after the flooding there, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the businesses there. And I would hope that the, the public in, in, do in, the the Bandon, same. In, in the general Bandon area would, would support the businesses in lower, lower um, near, near the hotel there. And what about um, road works? Are any of them suspended or postponed over Christmas? There's nothing major going on in Bandon right. over Christmas. Um, it, it's, uh, it's 2019 uh, and uh, they'll be facing into heavy road rush. But I suppose the very good news in Bandon is that South Main Street will not be dug up during the uh, the next two years when the, the sewerage and, and waterworks are being done, which is a relief, I suppose, to the main shopping street of, of the town. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's that's the only good news, I suppose. And otherwise, it's going to be reasonably disruptive, I suppose, throughout 19 and parts of, of so, wa- warning people in advance, but the end result, it'll be all worthwhile. Oh, it, it, it certainly will. And, and hopefully the public will respond, you know, positively by continuing to do business. Uh, like they're doing at the moment in, in Lower Alpha. Okay. All right. Your phone is beginning to just break up in a slightly. So I'm going to okay. leave it there. Okay. Listen, Alan. Have a great Christmas, thank and uh, much, and uh, thank you for all your contributions throughout the year. 
Okay. Thank Thanks you. for that. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, West Cork based uh, councillor Alan Coleman on the collapse of that building last week. Now, as we've been doing all week and we'll continue to do for the rest of the week and right up to and including Christmas Eve, trying to play some Christmas songs that you don't always get to hear all the time on the radio. Now, this is one of my particular favourites. It's a song I normally hold out and play on Christmas Eve and no doubt it probably will be played again on Christmas Eve, but I'm not actually on air myself for Christmas Eve. John Paul will be, will be doing the programme. Um, so I am definitely going to include it uh, today. This is the wonderful Emer Quinn. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and
That's Emer Quinn on uh, C103 and that is her version of uh, A Holy Night and I have to say has got to be a personal favourite of mine uh, one of the best versions and I still remember many many years ago when she joined us live in the studio in advance of her playing in St. Finbar's in the city she was she was down to do some kind of a Christmas concert and she came in and joined us live in the studio and she sang that song uh, she had a guy with her on guitar and it was absolutely it was just truly uh, stunning and Esther said Patricia that song is beautiful as was Susan Boyle's song yesterday I enjoyed them both yeah I'm trying to sort of play songs that you don't get to hear all the time on the radio we're playing all of the usual Christmas ditties but it's nice to take time out and relax and enjoy those that type of Christmas carol uh, as well. So thank you for your text, uh, Esther, 0862 103 103. OK, we're going to take a break and we are back uh, previewing this year's Kilbritton Tractor Run. The Kilbritton Tractor Run for 2018 will take place on the 30th of December next with proceeds this year going uh, once again to the autism classes which are attached to Kilbritton National School. Joining me in studio to preview event, one of the organisers Organisers, that's Jim O'Mahony, but also from our own sports department is Paddy Palmer, who is taking part in this year's tractor run. Uh, good, good morning to you, gentlemen. And Paddy, I have to start with you. I was unaware that you are a tractor enthusiast. <laughs> Tell me about your tractor driving experience. Yeah, well, um, first of all, I'm absolutely delighted to be involved in this because it's such a deserving fundraiser. I don't know whether you call me a, a tractor enthusiast or not. Um, I did drive a tractor when I, when, I, when I was younger. It was actually a Ford 3000 and I was uh, arrested. Is that for vintage? It would be vintage. No, but back then it was far from vintage. It was probably one of the only tractors in, in, in the locality. And um, I, I, I remember one day that I had a, a guard follow me to the house. And um, What age were you? I was 16. Okay. And uh, I tried to tell him I was a little bit older and he reminded me of the fact that Actually, the same guard was in charge of Kinmare on the rage team the night before, and he was he wanted me to explain how come I could play under sixteen if I was able to drive a tractor. <laughs> and do you know what? I my father had to go to court over this, like so. I am actually a criminal when it comes to driving tractors. But anyway, I've been get, I've been getting lessons here from Jim because obviously the, these tractors that we're driving on and on, on the thirty are massively expensive. I, I I'm driving a KSP on a one six five, which is supplied by Lynch and McCarthy, and seemingly it is worth about one hundred and twenty. Thousand euro. So yeah, there's people living in houses that are not worth <laughs> as much as some of those directors. So you, so you are you're taking lessons off road. Yes, off road. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but you're going and to be on road. For on the, the road. road. Yeah, we'll be on the road on the oh. day. And okay. Yeah, so look, it's um, going, to be, it's, it's going to be some crack. And it's Jim is teaching you, is it? Yeah, Jim is teaching. I, I teach myself, but I think Jim is a real vocation. Let me bring Jim in. is a real vocation for cheating for let, teaching. Let me bring him in as Jim O'Mahony, one of the organisers. Good morning to you, Jim. If Good you morning, could just go right in front yeah, of that sorry. microphone there. Yeah. Okay, t- 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 talk to me about the history of this uh, tractor run. How many years are, are, sure. you, are you doing it? I suppose this is our sixth year. We started in 2013. Which I think was. 286 tractors we had that year and up to last year we had 405 um, So they come yeah. from all over Yeah sure as is the Four Corners of Cock County even down to Waterford we even have a tractor this year coming from Carla so as I say um, it, it does it big's a big big crowd but again it's weather dependent on the day Yeah We've been very and, lucky And what is it about tractor tractor driving enthusiasts that they love to take part in in these kind of events Well I suppose like you have GA people you have golfers fellas like is like getting ready for the station they like to have these things presentable for the day and they like to bring them out 
And they're immaculate when they turn oh, up on sure, the day. Oh, sure. In fairness, people put in a big effort. Yes. Yeah. You know, but it's not all about new tractors. It's about old tractors. It's about into four wheels and a steering wheel, basically. You know, and yeah. they come to support the unit. I say again, I work with Farm Power. It's not about green tractors or blue tractors. It's about all mics tractors. And that's the most important thing about all this. Like, it's about all the dealers in Cork County and even Jim Power and Waterford is coming this year as well um, with Dites. So, and we've ECI also involved this year, along with the other dealers that have been coming with the last past few years. So it's it's about everybody coming together on the day and enjoying the day. Yeah, and it's all for a really good cause, which we'll talk about in, in a moment. But what you're doing this year, and I don't know if this is this is different, and this is where our party comes into it. You have individual companies joining you, and they nominate a driver or a passenger. Now we're putting hopefully Paddy forward as a, as a driver but if he doesn't come up to the scratch he can be a passenger Yeah, have you many companies getting involved yeah we have 17 different companies it'll be up on Facebook and stuff I, I can't start naming them up we could be here yeah. all day but basically people came to me last year and said how could they help out and what we did was we went around to different companies and we actually had to turn away a lot of companies because we didn't have enough tractors well we could get more tractors but we'd block the place but basically 17 different companies will um, sponsor each of the new tractors and we had a draw a few weeks ago the party was at to make yeah. it fair and legal as the fellow okay. and uh, so there's a person in from each of the companies was nominated to drive we even have people from Kinmare all the way as far as Carlo so as the fellow says um, that's how we run it this year they have the option of driving the tractor accompanied by somebody from the garage for insurance purposes yeah and, and to look after the <laughs> over 120,000 euro I'm, 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 my heart's still in my mouth even thinking about putting you behind the wheel of that party I'll, I'll be very honest but it's, it's, it's a nice new twist on it it is and, and I, I said there is people there that look they have options to go from the passenger seat which yeah. they might actually enjoy the day more they than can just been worrying about tell me what happens on the day so you get so say over 400 tractors turn up just just describe to people what it's like on the day it is, it is fairly mental, I suppose, from half 10 to 12 o'clock, half 12. Um, but we, we have some great stewards, in fairness. Um, they come in to town. They come off the public road to get um, signed in. They can get the documents online if they want to fill out their insurance forms beforehand, which is vital. Okay. And uh, we have five different car parks in that all the tractors go into different car parks because they kind of run in their own categories. That is the unique thing about the tractor in Kilbritton, okay. you know. Um, I suppose a lot of organisation goes into this yeah we have between 60 and 70 yeah. stewards in total we take a bus we have three lads nominated to in charge of the bus the bus leaves the village about 10 minutes before the run and drops all the stewards at the points around, around the, the way around the 32 yeah. kilometre run 32 kilometres 32 yeah. kilometres yeah. it's the wild Atlantic way which I was we're very very lucky to have the route that we have because some people don't see the sea from one end of the year to the yeah, other yeah. where this is actually on both sides of the ocean at the same time if you get a it, fine day it'll be fabulous it is beautiful like, yeah. we had one one year I think it was 2013 or 14 that we took photographs with the helicopter and it was impressive yeah. I was lucky to see it you know, yeah, myself, yeah. So. It's, 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 mm. it's, it's, it's terrific so Paul are you really looking forward to it I am. I suppose, look, all of these events are a massive testament to the, the local community. And yeah. Kilbert, Kilbritton is a mighty spot. It's a small bit of, a small bit isolated, do you know what I mean? It's uh, when you go to Kilbritton, you go there for that purpose only. But uh, it's a wonderful community and they have a lot of uh, great facilities out there. And look, I mean, we're constantly hearing about the decline of rural Ireland. And, and, and events like this, I think, add greatly. And I mean, the fundraising, you know yourself that this is so, so deserving um, the face of Irish education has changed with the building of of 
uh, ASD units for children that are on the ASD spectrum and they're now very much Well, it means local children can stay local as well. Exactly. Because not, not every national school has the, the autism classes and it's just, it's so important for the families. It, it is so important. And, and the very fact that these children then are an integral part of a school community. Yeah. Do you know, and like, I mean, thankfully, that's one great thing that's changing about education in Ireland that, you know, any child that's, that's a little bit different in, in old day, if you were different, my God, you were different. But no, they're, they're an integral part of the educational community. And, and it takes a lot of money. I mean, Jim mentioned there about the therapists that they have to employ themselves rather than waiting for the department. And they're right because... A child, you can't wait. Education is today and not yeah, yeah. in six and we know, time. And we know early interventionists. And Jim, where, how will the money be spent? Or do you, do you have an idea how the money will yeah, be spent well, this year? This year, Gano, what we did was we, we employed two teachers doing speech and language and occupational therapy. Brilliant. It doesn't come cheap. Um, we did day trips, swimming trips. And as I say, um, it's, we give back everything that we get and more, you know, so... Uh, I saw I saw the presentation of the check online from last year. It was over eleven thousand. Yeah, yeah, it was very good, and hopefully it'll be better this year because you never know the year that comes that you mightn't be able to run it. It's the only fundraiser we have for the year. Yeah. So that money has to be stretched for twelve months, and you know, it's as I said, there, there might be parents mightn't have the money to do what we are doing. So we try to give back as much as we well can. Done. Well done. And how can people donate? As I say, the 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 apart from the the the. Um, the companies, the tractor run itself is the is the big thing really like is to come into town from probably it can be there from ten o'clock till half twelve. Um the t- it's twenty euros ahead. Okay. And they can pay they'll pay that on entry into the village from three sides. Okay. So you don't collect yeah. on the day or anything like that, do you? Do no, you there will no? be bookers going around for well, the for the ordinary individuals that come to see the yeah. the run itself. Like, yeah. you know. Okay, so I, I think there's there. a GoFundMe page as well. Yeah, there is, yeah, there's a GoFundMe page set up. Um, for the run for people that from outside the county that can make it and have been ringing from past years to see can they subscribe to it so that's we did that this year like, you okay alright yeah. well done okay so Paul do you have you many more hours of, of driving uh, yeah, experience I, to get yeah. probably too many to be honest yeah. but uh, I know look I, I mean when we were asked to get involved in this sport and from the radio station I'm representing C103 there the next day and and proud to do that Um uh, because I genuinely believe that the money they collect, I, I work in a school myself and yeah. in the school there are, there is a, an ASD unit and I can see firsthand the difference it has made to, to children's lives and their families and the money that Jim and his cohorts will collect here will go straight into the funding of the operation. There'd be nobody taking a slice off the top. So yeah, if if there's only I've only a small price to pay, uh, Patricia. Well, head stay up to safe, you. okay, <laughs> and mind that tractor. And uh, Jim, good luck to everybody involved. The Kilbritton Tractor Runner. People can find out more on your Facebook page as well. Yeah, I just want to say, look, thanks to C One Tree for being our co-sponsor. It's, it's, it means a lot to us from last year and this year. Our pleasure. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A couple of people have asked me to give a mention to events that are coming up in the lead up to Christmas and indeed over the Christmas period. Including a lovely text in from Anne-Marie to say that on St. Stephen's Day, a group from the Whelan area are going to be going out and about fundraising by going on the Wren and doing the Wren Boy Hunt on St. Stephen's Day. They do it annually and they do it for a variety of different local uh, causes. But Anne-Marie says, as always with Wren Boy, 
voice. They are looking for anyone who would like to come forward and be a driver on the day. If there's any singers about who could give up a couple of hours or musicians for any period of time during the day, but they're hoping to uh, do their Renboy hunt uh, in the general Mwilin and I'd imagine surrounding areas. If anybody would like to help out, if you are a driver, singer, a musician, and would like to get involved in the Renboys, which are always very much part and parcel of the tradition of rural Ireland on St Stephen's Day. And it's always a very fun event if you're out somewhere and you bump into the Ren Boys. And they're always very talented, but they can only do it by getting singers and musicians. But they need the drivers as well to drive them from A to B. So we've got Anne-Marie's number. If anybody thinks that they could help out and would like to get involved, looking for something to do on St Stephen's Day, why not go out and hunt with the Ren Boys? Give us a call if you want to help Anne-Marie out. And the Rural Animal Welfare Resources, the Rower Group, are going to be this Saturday carol singing in the town of Bantry. They're hoping to head out from about 11am and they'll be in various locations around the town. They always say they have a fun day out singing favourite Christmas tunes. Not about the performing, even if you can't sing. They say come along because it's a great fun day out and at the same time it's raising some money for what is a fantastic uh, charity uh, working with animals in the West Cork area. That's the Rural Animal Welfare Resources. Good luck to them with their carol singing in Bantry Town on this coming Saturday and they'll lend a nice festival festive atmosphere to the town as well. Talking of festive atmospheres, the Lismire Live Crib is now live right across this week up to and including this Saturday. They open between 7pm and 9pm each evening and admission is free. It's in Lismire GAA grounds and they're asking people to come along at the live crib and meet the animals that kept baby Jesus warm and actually this Saturday at 4 o'clock they open early on Saturday and it's to facilitate small children but every evening this week up to and including Saturday it's between 7 and uh, 9. And Anam Cara who are the support group for bereaved parents and who do amazing work. They are having bag packing on Friday of this week in Dunn stores in uh, Charleville and they're looking for anybody who could give up an hour or two of their time to help out Anam Cara. And they make the point in their email to us that it's amazing how the two hours can fly by if you do it in memory of a loved one. So if you can uh, help, you can contact Anam Cara on their Dublin number 01. 404-5378 01-404-5378 if you could give up an hour or two of your time this Friday for Dunn Stores in Charleville they're hoping to backpack between 10am uh, and 6pm and uh, support the great work of Annam Carrer and the great work they do in supporting families who have lost uh, a child one uh, I've said it many times before has got to be one of the worst uh, types of bereavement Somebody who is very much celebrating today uh, is a lady by the name of Lorraine, uh, because this happened earlier on The Breakfast Show with Simon Murdoch. Paul Simon, Susan Sarandon and Andrea Corr. Paul Simon? Yeah. Uh, Susan Sarandon? Yeah. And Andrea Corr? Yeah. What's your surname, Lorraine? Bateman. <laughs> it's like Batman with an E. Where are you calling from, Lorraine? Castle Lorraine Bateman and Castle Lines. Yeah. Paul Simon, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And Andrea Corr. Yeah. You just won Celebrity Series! <laughs> <laughs> no way. I don't believe it! I think it's 
thought this would go to next year, oh Wednesday morning, December 19th, 2040 euro. <laughs> Fantastic. Can I just pay special mention to Debbie and Claire in Colette? Because it's been a joint effort with us all at work. <laughs> okay. So you have to spit the dosh out then, are you? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate. <laughs> Oh, I'm thrilled for you. Brilliant. Isn't that lovely? That's Lorraine Bateman from uh, Castellines. I love the way um, she must be sick to the teeth of people asking her to spell her name. It's a Batman with a knee. That's <laughs> a great way of... Uh, Lorraine Bateman, Castellines, €2,040. I wonder how she'll spend the €40. Euro. Uh, anyway, congratulations. Susan Sarandon was the name in the middle that everybody was missing that a couple of people thought was actually me. And it wasn't me. It was Susan Sarandon. Congratulations. So that is Celebrity Seas on uh, Cork's Big Breakfast put to bed for this year. And Simon tells me he's going to be working over the Christmas of coming up at three new seas and driving us all nuts because by the way I did not have any of the answers either I did not know it was Susan Sarandon and the amount of people that were stopping me when I was out and about saying who is it who's the middle C because the first C and the third C had been guessed but nobody could work out who the middle one was so well done to Lorraine Bateman in uh, Castle Lines winning Celebrity C's and is 2,040 euro the richer because of it which is a nice nice win in the run up to uh, Christmas congratulations okay Nathan Carr Carter, are we ready to roll with this, John Paul? We are. Okay, Nathan Carter live at the Marquee. I have a clip and there is a word missing from this clip. Can you work out, please, the word that's missing from this statement? Banjos, fiddles, accordions. Absolutely. It all stems from uh, Celtic music, but we, do, I, we feature a lot of and Celtic music in our show. We feature a lot of what and Celtic music in the show. Caller number five to get through to John Paul now 1850 if you think you can work out the word that's missing from that little clip from Nathan Carter Caller 5 will win a pair of tickets to go live at the Marquee and you'll be going on Friday the 14th of June tickets on sale for Nathan Carter live at the Marquee are available at ticketmaster.ie Banjos, fiddles, accordions Absolutely. it all stems from uh, Celtic music but we do I, we feature a lot of and Celtic music in our show Okay, get dialing. I can see the phone lines. They are a hopping. John Paul is taking the calls. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. A Christmas morning swim is going to be held on Cool Main Beach at 11am. Sponsorship cards are available from St. Michael's Centre or Murray's Auctioneers in Bandon with proceeds going to St. Michael's Centre and the Bandon Red Cross. Sean and Noreen McSweeney of Cloda Drimmer League are hosting their Christmas lights display up to and including January the 8th. It's to raise funds for local West Cork charities and also Marymount Hospice. We invite you to please come along and support. The student of Skull Community College they're hosting a musical play called All Shook Up it's a special edition of Twelfth Night set to the music of Elvis because that sound like fun doors open at half past six this evening for a 7.15 start family rates will be available Carols by Candlelight they're taking place in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tonight at 7.15 the special festive musical occasion will feature Claire Hayden and friends uh, Mwinterbara Men's Choir 
plus many more. Tickets available at the door. All proceeds are going to Coaction and Cancer Connect. And Age Action are holding computer courses for over 55s in understanding laptops, tablets and phones. It's a one-to-one tuition course once a week for two hours and they're now taking names for their January to June sessions of next year. Tutors are also required. Call Julie on 021 206 7399. Well, there'll be a coffee morning in Max Sweeney's Shoe Shop on Main Street in Mallow tomorrow morning, Thursday, from 10am to 1pm. It's made of the Mallow branch of the National Council for the Blind and for St. Vincent de Paul. And a coffee morning will be held also tomorrow in the TSB, permanent TSB on Main Street in Mallow, starting at half past ten. And it's in aid of Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. All are welcome. And you can stop calling us on our Nathan Carter competition because Noreen Corcoran of Crookstown is the correct caller with the correct answer. Let me play it again. Banjos, fiddles, accordions. Absolutely. It all stems from uh, Celtic music. But we do. I, we feature a lot of folk and Celtic music in our show. We feature a lot of folk and Celtic uh, music. And John t- Paul tells me he had to go. It was caller number five we were looking for. He said he ended up going to, uh, he reckons about caller 20. <laughs> no one had the correct uh, a- answer. So when we got beyond caller five, we kept going until we got the correct answer. And it was Noreen Corcoran in uh, Crookstown who quickly identified the word was folk that was missing from that clip from Nathan Carter. We'll do it again tomorrow and we do it again on Friday, giving tickets away every day this week for Live at the Marquee for Nathan and Carter on Friday the 14th of June. Tickets are on sale by the way at ticketmaster.ie. Eileen in Mallow has been on wants to know does anybody know if there is mid- my, midnight mass being held this year in Drumahan Church obviously on Christmas Eve is midnight mass going ahead at Drumahan Church does anybody know and that got me thinking it's sad really isn't it the amount of churches that no longer do midnight mass they've had to give up midnight mass and they stopped doing it for a variety of reasons. I mean, I do remember the church where I used to always attend a midnight mass as a child and as a teenager it would have been the wonderful friary in Clonmel. And they had to stop midnight mass because there was too many drunks going in. I mean, it just literally got to the stage. People were getting sick. People were coming in from the pub going, oh, I've got a mass. I've got to go home. Um, and really no business being there at all. And I don't know if that was the reason that a lot of churches decided to give it up. But certainly the church that I went to, that's why they ended the tradition of midnight mass. I also, I'm assuming there's not enough priests anymore to facilitate midnight mass in all of the churches. And then with the decreasing number of people going to church anymore, they probably are saying, well, you know, why, why put on a midnight mass if you're not going to get that many people at it? Which is a real shame because it's a tradition for a lot of people to go to midnight mass. So does anybody know if midnight mass is going on in Drumahan Church this year? If so, can you let us know, please? Uh, because uh, we can get that information out. 1850 I want to go to some calls and comments that came in to do with the road conditions and the amount of potholes that are there at the moment and people talking about roads disappearing in front of our eyes and they're just deteriorating and crumbling away. The the ex-councilman who was on to us earlier saying bring back the man with the shovel and that's what's missed. He's back saying on potholes, he said it's all down to health and safety. You have to have a course to stand still now if you're working with the council. The old council men 
those that have passed on would be turning in their graves if they could see what's going on today. Michael in Kinsale was on to say the reason that there he reckons the reason that the roads are so bad the local authorities are trying to save money and they're not investing in the roads. Jason in Bandham says no wonder our roads are falling apart. Look at the amount of traffic that are on our roads these days. Jason makes the point that when those roads that were built they were never designed for the volume of traffic that's on the roads now. Anybody that's out and about will know there is constantly traffic queues. People are saying it's Christmas but he said it's not. This is happening all year round and we have many, and a lot of the newer roads are built for the higher volumes of traffic but the roads in rural areas the non-national roads they were never built for the amount of traffic that's on them. And then a council worker was listening to us and for obvious reasons he we can't call his name out uh, over the airways. But he says, he's an employee of Cork County Council and he says on this day, four and a half tonnes of tarmac is being used on a road near Enniskeen. So there's two very large potholes on the road and that's what they're working on today. Listening to the radio, he's hearing people giving out about the road conditions, but he's also hearing people give out and pointing the finger of blame at the council. He says the reason that the roads are in such a bad condition really is not 100% the blame of the council. He cites one of the main reasons, landowners. They're blocking drains and the result is water flowing onto the roads. And then the road, obviously, if it gets a lot of water on it, I mean, everyone accepts that, is to do with the amount of water that's flowing onto the roads that's causing the roads to deteriorate and literally to crumble away and for these potholes uh, to to appear before our eyes. So while he says the council may be slightly to blame, they're not 100% to blame. He says the full responsibility and a lot of the responsibility he reckons should go on land owners. They need to do something about it. He said they're out this morning. They couldn't go out yesterday because there was so much water running from drains that were blocked and, and so he said they, couldn't, they actually couldn't get out yesterday. They had to wait and, and get out today. So his argument is he's coming in defence of the council. That's fair enough. He works for it. He said, don't be putting all the blame on the council, please. Any landowners listening, they have responsibility uh, as well. Talking of flooding and road closures, I'm delighted to say that the park road in Mallow has reopened. That was causing huge problems earlier on with tailbacks of traffic, particularly down around the spa area. So the that road back up and running now and is open and the Drumahan road has also reopened in Mallow and that was following flooding that we had earlier on. Okay, a lot of people have come back straight away for Eileen and Mallow who was wondering is Midnight Mass going on in Drumahan Church to say no, it's not. Midnight Mass will be held at 8pm on Christmas Eve in Drumahan. And Dan in, in Kilavollen says the 8.30am mass was taken away every weekend uh, a few years ago. I think there's more to that um, comment so I'll wait for that to come in. But anyway the most important one is there is a midnight mass in Drumahan this year. There will be they, you, 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 you don't call it midnight mass would you at 8 o'clock it's the it'll be um, an Easter vigil or a Christmas vigil mass will be on instead at 8pm on Christmas Eve but no Midnight Mass in uh, Drumahan. We might look at that and find out how many churches are actually running Midnight Masses. See if we could find out around, particularly around the county, are many still running? Or, or am I right in thinking that a lot of churches now are not opting to have Midnight Mass? Hi Patricia, would you please let everybody know that Gareth Hooley or Hwelly, Hooley 
I think it's Hooley, has a beautiful light display in aid of the West Cork Cancer Connect and the West Cork Animal Welfare Group at his home in Lep. People are please asked to kindly support. So well done, Gareth Hooley. And a beautiful display of uh, lights if you're in and around LEP. And I imagine it stands out. Any of those lighting displays, as soon as you get close to it, you'll realise exactly whose house uh, you are outside. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. If you're looking for good Christmas movies this Christmas, there's an interesting survey that has just come out picking. They asked people, what is the best Christmas film of all times? And I'm really not surprised and I'm thrilled to see what came out on top it's the the Radio Times uh, did the survey and it's the movie a movie that was made in 1946 it's an old black and white movie and it's a wonderful life it's been voted the most popular Christmas film and it actually bet Elf with Will Farrell into into second uh, place and then the other top five Love Actually the Muppet Show's Christmas Carol, which is a wonderful, wonderful movie. And Home Alone, one of my favourites, but It's a Wonderful Life, is the one that comes out as the most popular Christmas movie. And it is a classic, and it's a classic, festive, feel-good film. It is, of course, about a man who is devoted has devoted his life to helping others, but when he tries to take his own life, a guardian angel stops him and shows him the value of his life. The film at the time, back in 1946, was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture. I don't know how many it won, but it was actually nominated uh, for five. And then the action film Die Hard, that actually came in in sixth place. And that's the one that causes the biggest debate every year. Is Die Hard really a Christmas movie? In it, Bruce Willis, he plays an off-duty policeman and uh, he ends up having all kinds of run-ins with their German terrorists. I don't think it's a typical Christmas movie, but it is set on Christmas Eve. And so there is, that's the reason that it always comes out whenever there's a survey done on Christmas movies. Die Hard always gets uh, mentioned. And obviously, a lot of people, I suppose who doesn't like an action, an action, classic action movie? Uh, And if you do, it's in sixth place in the top Christmas movies of all times. And what's also interesting, making the list when making it into the top 20, Harry Potter films and all I think nearly every I'm open to correction but nearly all Harry Potter films at some stage will have some scene about Christmas in it the very fact that it's set in a school year there'll always be a little glimpse of Christmas in it they're not strictly Christmas movies but the first film in the series The Philosopher's Stone actually made it into the top 20 of this uh, list and I I really am thrilled to see that The Muppets Christmas Carol also made it on, onto the list but by far if I'd given a vote I would have given a vote I have to say to uh, It's a Wonderful Life and isn't it fantastic that a movie that was made with no whistles and bells back in 1946 in 2018 can still get voted as the best uh, Christmas movie of all time This is the Court Today replay on C103 and Peter Dowdle, uh, the Irish gardener, joins us on our last slot for 2018. Good afternoon to you, Peter. How many times have we said that, Trish? I think it must be nearly 20 years, would you believe? Is it? Is it that long? 
it's, it's not quite 20, but it's certainly 17 or 18. Well, I'm t- I'm 20, I'm just over 28 years doing this this particular show, so goodness me. Yeah. Goodness me. Long I may it continue on. for both of us, says he. Long indeed. Okay, indeed. all right. Uh, now, a number of people have been on with questions. There's more to do with planning, I suppose, than anything. Mark has been on to say his front lawn is waterlogged and he's looking for advice as to what he can do, obviously not this side of Christmas, but into the new year. How do you stop a front lawn getting waterlogged? It's a difficult one to answer, Trish, and that's the honest answer to it. There is no magic wand here. You can you can invest time, energy, and money putting in good drainage system to, to, to drain the lawn. But the reason I'm hesitating when saying that is because it does depend on how low lying or how you know how high the water table in your area is. So you could be fighting a losing battle. Like if it's if it's just because of soil compaction and your your water table is quite low and it's it's just soil compaction or something, which is often the case after something has been newly built, or particularly in housing estates and things like that, it could be soil compaction caused by machinery. Well, then putting in a drainage system and breaking up the soil surface will help very much, so, and it should probably get rid of the problem. But if it's if it's just because you're in a high water table area and the ground is prone to flooding, there really is very little you can do then in that situation. But but hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's just soil compaction or something like that. Putting in a drainage system, dig, dig up the lawn, put in a like a wishbone drainage system, land drainage pipe in beds of grit and that will take water away. All right, and Jenny and Douglas is hoping in the new year to set a new lawn. She's never done it before. Looking for advice, please. Well, Jenny, there, there's, there's no mystery to this. It's, it's really as straightforward. But what you need to do is now during the winter, you, you, don't, you don't do anything in terms of setting the lawn now, but you do do nearly all your preparation now. So you break up the soil surface, uh, rotivate it so that it's got a fine tilt uh, rake off any of the heavy stones or any perennial weed roots that you see. You won't, you may not see too much in terms of foliage at the moment in the weeds, but you'll see roots if there's any nasties like nettles or anything like that. Uh, rake them all out, get it level, let the frost and the cold break down the soil over the winter, and then come March, you set your seed or your turf around mid-March. Obviously, if it was like last March, you'd be waiting because we had snow. So just pay attention to the weather. Uh, and if it's a normal March, then that would be the, the, the time to start setting the seed. I probably should have started off there by asking, Jenny, if uh, if there's vegetation on the soil already, in other words, if it's an area already that's full of grass and weed growth, you'll have to remove that first. So, so remove any existing vegetation and then uh, rotivate the soil, break it up, uh, rake it level, remove your stones and weeds with a view to, to sowing seed in March. Okay, and Laura was on to say her dad is not as active as he used to be and he absolutely adores gardening. The family have noticed that bending is proving to be a real problem for him and they're coming together as a family and they're thinking of raised beds for him. What would Peter suggest? It's a fabulous way to keep gardening going, if you like, for people like like her father where, where mobility and bending over can become more and more difficult. Raised beds is the way to go or raised beds are the way to go. So you could you can build raised beds from from timber, from concrete, from any material. Just be careful if you're if you're using uh, uh, the raised bed to grow food crops. Don't use something like railway sweepers or don't use recycled scaffolding boards. It annoys me when I see these some programs and articles showing this because uh, there's toxins. There's toxins in the recycled scaffolding board from paint and from white spirits and all this that have been in the board. And there's creosote the railway sleepers, so they leach into the soil and they're carcinogenic. So don't, oh. under, under any circumstances, use old railway sleepers or scaffold boards for food. Um, it's actually illegal, believe it or not, to use railway sleepers in a garden situation. So as a professional, I couldn't do it or advise it. So, 
uh, but certainly don't use it for food. Uh, but apart from that, any timber, pressure-treated timber would work. Uh, you can build them from concrete, concrete blocks, brick, anything just to raise it up. And then there's a fabulous, uh, it's an Irish product, an Irish invention, uh, and the, the name of the website is Garden For Me, the number four, Garden For Me. Uh, and they developed a fabulous standalone, if you like, mobile uh, raised bed system. It's more like a garden on legs. Uh, and it's, he, 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 this is a fellow who designed it. Duncan is his name, lovely, lovely guy. But he put so much thought into it in terms of frost protection of the soil, uh, that it doesn't hold too much water, that even if you're in a wheelchair, you have the space to, to slide your legs in underneath it. It's a fabulous, fabulous product. Garden, for me, is the name of the website, uh, and you'll see it. What a lovely idea. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Someone else wants to know what would Peter suggest is a good gardening book for Christmas for the man that has everything in her life. <laughs> well, I'd, ha- I'd have to say gardening with Peter Dowd, all the importance of the natural world. <laughs> from Cork, Cork University Press, that's the best gardening book out there. But um, Apart from that, uh, the RHS do very good. Uh, if you want a good reference book and, and any, you know, on any part of gardening, on any gardening topic, the RHS books are the ones to go for, in my opinion. There are many, many other books out there, of course. You know, uh, Alan Titchmarsh has a number of books out there which are very good, but any of the RHS titles, I would say, you won't go wrong. Yeah, and if, you're, if you love gardening, then you love, you know, if, if it's your passion, you love to get any, any gardening book with, you know, oh, I think I she's... Mean, it, it, absolutely, any gardening book would be well yeah. received. Okay, Maura in Glanmire, laurel hedging set a few years ago. The electric fence is near the hedging, but the cows are managing to eat the top of the hedging. Will it grow back? So they're eating it, over the electric fence, obviously. It will grow back, yeah. It'll certainly grow back. There's no problem, provided the cows stay away from it. Like, if the cows are going to keep at it, then obviously you're fighting a losing battle. But no, if, if the cows are away from it now, it can grow back, no problem. But I, I'd, be, I'd be quite concerned about that because it's toxic to livestock, laurel hedging. So... Uh, I would make sure that you either move and put in a different type of hedge or certainly keep the cattle away from it. OK, Martin has bought a living Christmas tree for the first time ever. Uh, when what, what should he do? What should he be bearing in mind when he plants it out into the garden? I oh, it's an actual real tree. Yes, uh, oh. it's, it's funny because I wrote an article for last Saturday's Examiner on just that, Trish, on, on living Christmas trees. It struck me as obscene over the years the tradition of, of chopping down a few million trees for us to use as decoration for a couple of weeks and then dump them. But the other side of that is, of course, they wouldn't be grown as, as the forests wouldn't be grown at all, even for the 10 years if, if we weren't buying Christmas trees. So there's two sides. But, but a living tree is a great idea because we can keep it in a pot, move it in for the couple of weeks over Christmas and then move it out. So what I would say is, first of all, when you move it in, uh, bear in mind this is a, a coniferous tree that's suited to being outside in cold and wet temperatures at this time of the year. So you're moving it into a centrally heated house. So just a bit of common sense. Don't keep it in for longer than 10 days or two weeks maximum. Okay. Don't have it next to your fire or next to the radiator, next to extreme heat. So don't have it, have it somewhere where it's a bit cooler if possible uh, and not too, too hot. And then when you are moving it out, I think it's a good idea, instead of moving it from the centrally heated house right into maybe minus two or three in January, uh, move it to a halfway house. So if you have like a carport or a bright garden shed or glass house or polytunnel or something like that, just just move it into that for a week or two first and then plant it outside. So just to acclimatise it again, if you move it, as I say, from, from you know a, a lovely warm living room into minus two or minus three, that the shock could be too much for it. So do bear that in mind. And that's really all you need to bear in mind. The only other thing is, of course, 
remember it's eventual height and spread, so where your position is like any tree then is going to be important. Or you could put it into a bigger pot and move it in again next year. That's what I was I was going to think. Could, could You could knock a few years out of it, couldn't you, putting it, bringing it in and out? Could you? Very much so, very yeah. much so, because if they're in a pot, they're not going to grow that much in a year, and depending on the variety as well, they might grow that much. You could actually absolutely use it for a few years. Someone says, we've got daffodils overground in McCroom. Happy Christmas to all. Uh, lovely, isn't it? Lovely. I saw. I saw it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit early, but some varieties will will flower in December. Yeah, yeah, and 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 in fairness, you always give that advice when it's time to plant the bulbs. Stagger them so that you get them at different times. Yeah, you can for the first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marion Bohabui ha, is potato fertilizer good for shrubs, and could it be used all year round? No, I wouldn't fertilize anything all year round. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be fertilizing anything at this time of the year because you really don't want to be encouraging new growth on anything at the moment because we are in the, the winter of the year, obviously. Uh, we haven't really had them yet, but I suspect we will see cold te- or low temperatures and cold temperatures. Uh, so any new growth that is promoted through being fertilized uh, would be very, very fer- tender and very, very vulnerable to frost damage. You don't want to be feeding at this time of the year. Uh, potato fertilizer is a high potassium feed. So it is. It's good to promote flowering and plants. It's good. It's quite good for a lawn as well. Believe it or not, for root development of a lawn. But uh, I wouldn't be using it all year round, no. Okay, Susan didn't get to cut back her roses this year. Is she better off just leaving them now, or could she still get out and cut them? Susan is fine. Tell her, Susan, you're absolutely fine. I've only trimmed mine as well because, believe it or not, there's still a couple of flowers in them. But no, you have definitely until the end of February before you give them their their serious pruning if you like so uh, I wouldn't cut them back completely until mid to end of February before the new growth there Okay and the annual one on the Christmas Ponsetti again I'm sure we answered this last week again but it keeps happening to different people bought a Christmas Ponsetti about two weeks ago all the leaves have fallen off Yeah I think you even know the answer to that one now Trish it, it, I think it's, it may have the damage may well have been done before before the caller got it home Ponsettias are very very uh, temperamental to, to things like draft. So if any draft gets at it, it'll just drop its leaves. That could have happened where you bought it uh, or it could have happened at home. So good advice is, number one, be careful where you buy it. If it's in a shop or store or a garage forecourt, if it's near an opening door or an opening window, leave it behind you. It's too drafty. Uh, If it's in a shopping centre where it's near uh, fridge freezers or anything like that, leave them behind you. It's too drafty. Buy it from somewhere where it, it looks like it's in a consistent temperature, you know, where it's not near doors, not near windows, not near heaters, not near fridges, anything like that. Uh, most garden centres should be aware of that and should have them positioned somewhere correct. Um, even when you're bringing them from the store into your car, be careful. If it gets a gust of wind, even that much could, could damage it. And then when you get it home, position it somewhere where it's, again, a consistent temperature. It's not fluctuating too much, so no open, not, not near an open window or an open door. Uh, middle of the room, getting a lot of direct, a lot of good sunlight, um, and consistent temperatures and no draft, uh, and you should be okay. Okay, and John in Court Max says thanks to Peter Dowder for all of the help and advice during the year, especially during the heat wave between lawns burnt and then today we've lawns flooded. You always yes. give the best of advice. That's really nice. Thank, thank you for that, uh, John. Okay, John, Peter, that's where we wrap it up for this year. Will you? Are you on a complete take time out now for over Christmas? I, Is that what all gardeners do? I, well, yes and no, yes. But I suppose like everybody uh, this week is a bit nuts getting getting jobs finished and gardens finished that we're working on. So for the next few days is nuts, but then yes, then I will absolutely switch off and enjoy family time and enjoy the turkey and 
enjoy Christmas. I, I love this time of the year, so I will. I'll be on. I'll be on lockdown for a week or two. Okay, we'll enjoy that, and we'll talk in 2019. Happy Christmas to you. And you Thanks a million. Bye bye. That's uh, Peter Dowdle from the Irishgardener.com. A landowner who's reacting to the council worker who was on blaming landowners for the reasons that the roads are crumbling away because landowners are not uh, cleaning the drains and they're letting all the water run on. Uh, Lister says to that council worker, what does he expect the landowners and farmers to do? Does he expect them to let the water onto their land? Haven't they got it hard enough as it is? I'm not a farmer. Tell the council worker to stop shifting the blame. Okay, that's why leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll join you tomorrow from our outside broadcast uh, to glow on the Grand Parade. We're right next to the Ferris wheel from tomorrow at 10 until then. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.